Here we are, and welcome to another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a subject that you wouldn't expect me to normally talk about, and that is scripts, because, come on, how often do you hear like me talking about something I read? The books of movies, literally. But before we get started, I just want to address what's going on in the world. Um, we This is the same week of the horrific attack on the U.S. Capitol by a large amount of white supremacists and other really terrible humans. Um, not only is this a disgusting and terrible breach of security, I worked in federal government for many years. It's absurd that that one of these people got close as close and, and breached the Capitol, let alone all of these people. But also uh, it reminds us that um, how people are treated differently based on the way they look, because I can't imagine a scenario, and we saw it over the summer, the way um, uh, people supporting Black Lives Matters, the way they were treated uh, as like as like downright criminals and um, as if they were somehow terrorists by an over-militarized police, whereas we had um, white supremacists carrying the Confederate flag, which was literally made to overthrow the U.S. government, right, uh, parading through Congress. So it was, it was, it was a deeply traumatic week, and uh, I think all of us felt it. And it's always been weird during this period to do our show that we usually promise not serious things. Um, uh, but we also can't not recognize how, um, you know, deplored and disgusted we are with what happened and how deeply affected we are about what happened. And I really hope that there's no proper justice uh, to the people who perpetrated and frankly, the people who gave the space with their discrediting of the election and, and all the other horrible things that leaders have been doing over the past, especially the past month, but really the last few years. Um, I really hope there's justice there too. Um, uh, I don't, we're not going to necessarily go around, um, but I always like to, to kick off when, when uh, now and then with something about what's happening in the world. Um, so with that, I'm going to, I'm going to segue uh, to um, the more of the mundane kind of uh, uh, catastrophes of the world. And Happened I say on my, the same day. Because <laughs> I, I, I want to say mundane because Lily has really made a habit of having physical accidents be so normal and the contraction of things like the mumps become so normal since she was a little kid that, you know. Not for ready. It, like, Lily, what's going on with your foot? I saw a meme that was just like that because especially what happened on Wednesday, but it, it was just like um, 21 being like, hold my drink. Just a sec. Here I go. <laughs> and, and that's how I felt when I little old me just trying to hang out with my family in a pandemic. And um, I guess maybe it's baby brain. I don't know what it is, but I completely forgot that we had in our trunk a massive propane tank that was being like now, moved why, from why one place you, to why, another. Why did you forget what is essentially a bomb? Exactly. In the of Not your only car. is it a bomb, but like I, when I was complaining, I'm like, why is this made out of such strong material? Mom is like turning around looking at you. So it doesn't blow up, you idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> this, it was in now, the trunk is, of our Is this car. a propane thing for grilling? Because your husband, as far as yeah. I know, is, is anti-propane and he usually wants to use he those is. like gross little like chip balls to, to barbecue well, things. He's like, like a charcoal barbecue person, but um, there uh, we live with my parents now because they for the last year for the last year. And they have been adamant about having a gas barbecue. 
and it, they wore him down. And so we got a gas barbecue, but didn't have the propane and then had to go and buy the biggest propane tank humanly ever made for this barbecue. And it was in the trunk. I forgot that it was in the trunk and we parked on a hill <laughs> and I stupidly went to the trunk of the car to get like my son's scooter because he, we, I thought like we, where we were, he would be scooting. And I just opened the trunk without thinking about it. And the thing comes. Thank goodness falling. you weren't having your son scoot like behind the trunk. And the thing like rolled out on my foot, rolled down the hill and into somebody's car. <laughs> I didn't so hear this, that part of this. This could have been a situation where it and rolled just, down the car and then it blew, rolled down and then it blew up. It just car. blew up. Right. And wow. so I'm just screaming like for all kinds of reasons. And, um, yeah, the propane tank's fine. It suffered no damage. Well, I feel like that's heartening. <laughs> that that a propane tank survived Lily is a good yeah. is a good sign. Okay. Did Lily survive so survived the propane tank? You know, not yeah. so much. Lily, um, I am glad you're okay. Yeah. Becky, that's pretty busted. How are you doing, Becky? So it's been a, it's been a hard week, and to take the edge off, you know, at the end of every day, my my husband's been Vlad, Vlad's been making like a little cocktail at the end of the day before dinner. And, you know, that's nice. And by the way, we're very conscious about good modeling in front of our kids. You know, we don't like shout at each other. and We're always very polite. You know, we're aware of our behavior. This morning, I'm up with the kids. I'm up with Miri. She's three. And I'm letting her kind of just like play at the sink. She likes to fill cups up with water and stuff. And I go, Miri, sweetie, what are you doing? And she looks at me. She goes, I'm making you a Negroni, mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Eight o'clock this morning. Well, I, I had a similar thing. I was in Target with my older daughter yesterday and... I was like, let's bring something back for mommy. And she's like, she likes wine. Let's bring her back some wine. So we brought her back a little mini champagne because she deserves it. Okay, we're going to get to our guest now. Now, our guest is a, he is an awesome guy. He's been a friend of for 30 years. He is a talented writer, but he's also just someone who I think is just plugged into arts and music. I remember when we were 13 years old, he was like the guy who introduced me to like deep cuts of fishbone and had the um, uh, Metallica, uh, like b-sides box set when when we were like 11 11 or 12 and and uh, played me the body count album ice t's body count album when we were when we were teenagers as well that i was definitely like we were not allowed to have in our house growing up and um uh so so dave is really a renaissance man but he's also one of your older brother's friends and i want to just before we bring dave on lily you were you and dave's brother were in in camp together what's your what was your impression of the mysterious dave shark mysterious i think is the right word and mike is also pretty mysterious too i feel like that is a good um that's a great adjective to describe the shark boys um i i would say like i would definitely say i don't want to like ruin the fun but i would say they both look like way like they're way too cool but then are also super super nice so it's like, you know, you expect like these guys to be like super too cool and then maybe not nice, but jig is up. Very nice people. Whereas, whereas my memories are that Dave was, Dave was clearly very cool. Like you could tell he was cool. He wasn't just like <laughs> camp cool. He was like cool, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Dave, like, he, Dave oh, was yeah, one but, of the guys that right. was life cool. He wasn't cool. just Jewish summer right. camp cool. Not just Jewish summer was... camp cool. You knew when he went back to high school. 
the cool like transfer. So what was confusing for me is that he was also friends with my brother. So did that mean my brother was cool? And it was, question. It, was it just had a I, I couldn't reconcile those two things, but well, Dave, you know. now that we've introduced you in in as a stranger way as we've ever introduced anyone, welcome. Well, thanks for the lies. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you guys are, are very polite. Uh, um, yeah, so I would say uh, I, I believe that I'm more of a product of just growing up on the East Coast, Jersey, New York, in regards to like knowing anything about anything in regards to like arts and culture of that. That's just because being that close to New York City, you're just kind of around it and you're immersed in it at all times. And, and we were in Canada not, where we were immersed in snow. That's that's right. That, yes, I actually remember visiting you in Canada, and Shy and I, uh, going back to the arts thing, we decided that we were going to watch Jaws, Jaws two, Jaws three, and Jaws four back to back to back to back, um, in the middle of an ice storm, and the, back then you couldn't stream anything, so we would have to go downtown <laughs> to get the VHS to bring back to the house, and because we were only like fourteen or fifteen at the time. Uh, we'd have to trek out into the ice storm where literally there was three, four <laughs> inches of ice underneath a little <laughs> pocket of snow. Mind you, there's like five feet of snow on both sides of the road. Yeah, and you think that there's, that, there, that there's, it's just snow on the ground, but it's actually just a wall of ice that you can slide up and down. And every day we would go to rent out another movie. Why we didn't rent all of them at the same time, I have no idea. Um, and then there was this one hill that we would have to attempt to trek up to get back to the house every single day. And it was on that just enough of a slight incline that you couldn't really get a grip on your feet. And at, I'm say three or four different par parts, you would just slide slowly <laughs> back down to the bottom you of the really thing. So we had to, to climb up. Yeah, we were really excited. By the way, the first Jaws is good and every other one is garbage, <laughs> including I think Four was done in 3D. Was no, it? Was it the, the fourth one or the third one that was 3D? The third one is the, the third one. Third one's 3D. World. But the third one was totally bonkers because because it was the worst 3D you've ever seen in your entire life. It would be like Jaws is all the way on the far end of the screen <laughs> and it's like an eighth of a centimeter. And then as it moves, like super jerky, then all of a sudden it was on top of you because that's when it jumped out at the 3D through the screen. It was the most bizarre Amazing. thing to watch because we weren't watching it on 3D. We were just watching it on a little right, crack. You have to watch the VHS movies <laughs> and they didn't even convert it. So it would look all fuzzy. It was, oh yeah, it was, it was, it was I, I have to say I have a soft spot for Jaws too, but you are right. The, the first Jaws is like this masterpiece. And then, and, whew, and then it just falls apart so yeah. so dave you have written a number of screenplays i have read over the years sci-fi horror in particular i feel like jaws is actually a great place to start because whereas i don't know anything about a script yours are literally the only ones i've ever read <laughs> um it strikes me as jaws has some of the most memorable dialogue ever in, in the history of movies when you talk about the like the sinking of the Indianapolis and uh, we're going to need a bigger boat and all of that. A, is Jaws a good script? Let's just start there. And B, what makes a good script? Um, well, so first off, scripts in general are a weird medium for anyone to read if they're not used to reading a script. Um, you know, like 
you can read essays, you can read uh, articles or books, nonfiction, fiction, and people have a general understanding of that. But reading a script, Shike, if you're not Shike used to reading read it, it's just all weird. But <laughs> <laughs> perhaps. Um, so I would say, you know, like the, one of the weird things about reading a script in general for the first time is that, uh, you know, one of the golden rules is you want to show what's going on. You don't want to tell what's going on. So there's a lot of subtext that are involved in script writing. And you're trying to write as little as you possibly can because it's a visual medium and sound and it's all of those things. Whereas if you're telling a story in a normal in a book or an article, you like to throw in all those extra colors and you you. You know, you, you want them to understand what the mood is and what people are thinking. And the, the bottom line when you're watching a movie um, or, a te or a television show is you, you, you don't know what somebody's thinking because it's the only thing is that you can see. You can't really explain all these little nuances. So, you know, the most important things with this with with the script, if you're going to read it um, or if a producer is reading it before they're thinking about, you know, put it pouring, you know, could be tens of millions of dollars into it is, you know, to create uh, um, a, a piece of writing that's gripping, has escalating conflict, um, has a really good plot, and as you said, you know, has incredibly gripping, exciting dialogue that you know people can really get to. Um, I, yeah, I mean, you, Jaws? Jaws is phenomenal. Um, it's it's my favorite movie. If I were to put it, uh, you know, if I was forced gun to the head to say my favorite movie, Jaws is my favorite movie. Um, and I would say, yeah, that it's it's definitely an excellent script. Um, you know, it's based off. I was going to ask you that it like it, are our favorite movies our favorite scripts, or is that or is that not the way? I mean, that, so yeah, works. so that I would with that I would say that it really depends on what kind of a script you like. Um, you know, th there's plenty of movies out there that I that I love, and I'm sure the scripts are just mediocre. And then at other right. times, there's scripts that I've read that are absolutely incredible. And then they turn into, you know, so-so movies um, just based off of what I was picturing in my head as to what it was, didn't necessarily turn out uh, to be, you know, what, what I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. Right. Well, so gonna, let, let's, let's go over to Becky. Becky has worked in the, the industry more than, more than Lily and I have for sure. Lily and I just watch it. Um, Becky, you've all often talked about how, um, the inner monologue or the voiceover is like one of the signs that a script is like in trouble, right? And except for an Outlander, I know. Except Outlander, <laughs> no, 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 I'd no, say no, that it's, an Outlander it's, is pretty bad. It's like, Here, here's the thing with voiceover is that it is, I think, the hardest technique to, or the hardest, you know, the hardest thing to 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 you to do correctly and to do well, because like Dave was saying, you want to see what's happening. You don't want someone to just explain it to you. Exposition just kills I, I always, a, a, a movie. Whenever there are moments of exposition, once you illuminated that to me, I always think of the character from Austin Powers, Basil Exposition. And Allie and I will look at each other during a movie being like, oh, I didn't know Basil Exposition was in this movie. Thank goodness <laughs> they told us all of this stuff. So Beck, what, so Dave mentioned Jaws. Like, what, what, what are you? What do you think is one of the best screenplays of all time, or or, or screenplays that you think are fantastic? And is this so the same thing? Yes. Yes. For the purposes yes. of this, it's okay. the same thing. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you a recent script that comes to mind that 
I think it's one of the best things I've ever read. And I'm saying I actually sat down after I'd seen the movie, I sat down and I read the script. And as I'm reading it, like Dave was saying, it was the, it, it was all there on the page, the, the, the dialogue, the building of the story, the, you know, the climax, it was all there. Um, and so for me, it's actually Black Klansman. It, it, phenomenal. Like you can read that script and it stands up just on its own. Um, and then you see how it was actually, you know, applied and turned into a film and it's, it's elevated even more. So for me, that's one of, and that's like one of recent memory. I'm sure if I like went back through my like film school brain archive, I can come up with some like old films, but that that's amazing. And then for voiceover, again, a recent example of it, but it has stayed with me so much is even if it's, this movie is not your cup of tea and shy, it is not just to see voiceover used in a very intricate, complex way where you're both being told something that you're seeing, but somehow you're being told it with new context or with new information is I'm thinking of ending things. And the voiceover that is happening in that film is so, it, it, it's, it's woven into the into the dialogue and the storytelling so right? intricately. Yeah, and, and that's Charlie Kaufman, Kaufman who's like, I mean, well, like his mind is bananas. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so you're, so again, I've talked about this scene before. The opening of the film is about a 20 minute, 22 minute scene of two, two main characters in a car driving in a car just talking. And you're like, how do you make that? How is that interesting? I'd actually be so curious to read the script. And as they're in conversation, you're very quickly diving in and out of, the the girlfriend's interior monologue um and it's unclear because it's her interior monologue yet somehow it keeps triggering the the jesse plemons character the boyfriend in the car to react to her but not react to what she's thinking but just react to her and it's like a third like the interior monologue becomes a third character and i've never seen voiceover done so brilliantly like it was so exciting to watch because it's always done terribly anyway so that's my oh, my very passionate how feelings about, how, on, about you, on how, how about you how about you well you i mean actually studied script writing you haven't written yeah. any scripts you and the script. world is waiting for you to write a script about You're living so with short. You're You're so short. Short. everyone wants to know short. everyone wants the script on the i have so much potential Oh, I had no potential. I had to write so many scripts for film schools. I can tell you that is not, I cannot do that. I can't sing, I can't draw, and I cannot write scripts. That is not in um, my DNA. Everyone, welcome so to Becky's hard. LinkedIn profile. Today's episode. Yeah. <laughs> my anti-LinkedIn. Here's all the things I can't do. Well, Actually, I would yeah. say... And well, also, shout say, out to your script teacher, Miriam Rafa. Oh, Miriam the great Rafa, Miriam Rafa. The great filmmaker and producer and wonderful human being and professor um uh, Miriam Raffa she yeah she I in her classes where I wrote my uh short that I don't think I ever shared with the two of you but anyways um the point is that I would say to me being John Malkovich which is also Kaufman mm. is while I'm not sure I love the movie and I'm not sure I would watch that movie over and over again, I remember seeing that movie and like being blown away at how things could be written on a page and then transferred into a world like that. And that, that to me, that is one of the coolest scripts. And I think like 
again, the eternal sentence of the spotless mind is also in that vein of being like, what? You can do that from a page and there's no like crazy special effects. I'm talking about massive like sci-fi world bending things, but it seems so real and so out there. And that, you know, really is brilliant writing, I think. So those are, I think, probably my top, some of my top, I mean, there's many. Very cool. All right, David, are there any ones you want to add though? I mean, you mentioned Jaws, but you've got to have a lot of them. Sure. Um, well, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind is my favorite script of all time. It was one of the first scripts I ever read. I still haven't seen that movie. always been the greatest reading experience I've ever had. The, the, just from start to finish, I didn't move. I just sat on my chair and read it from beginning to end and thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever read. Um, so, I mean, Charlie Hoffman's ridiculous. Uh, his mind works in extraordinary ways. Um, no Country for Old Men is another amazing script. Coen yes. Brothers. Wow. Uh, that's oh, yeah. Another Coen one Brothers. Everything Coen they Brothers do. Yeah. Write a Everything, script and a half. Yeah. Um, another They're one that's that. really good for action in particular, Dark Knight. Um, oh, the first yeah. the first of the of the trilogy is an incredible script. Um, uh, you mean uh, Batman Begins? Yeah. No. I love that. Uh, well, Dark yes, Knight's the yes. middle one. Dark Knight's the the Heath Ledger one. The second one, the, right? The second one with uh, yeah, with Heath Ledger. Um, love that script. That's also excellent. Um, then, if you're talking about like so, with with screenplay writing, one of the most important things is to create your own voice, right? A lot of people that are that are working on their craft and trying to figure out what they're trying to do end up trying to replicate what other people do, and then kind of get this mismatch of this person's voice for this kind of stuff and steal a little bit of that. And then it ends up not necessarily really working together. Um, but there's some screenplay writers out there that whether or not you know they're the person that wrote this script originally, if you read it, you're, you can tell that they're the ones that got their hands in it. And I would say there's three screenwriters out there that I just love their voice in particular. Uh, Max Landis, he's a bit of a creep, but... Uh, <laughs> He wrote he, Chronicle is he, and Deep. Is he the son of John Landis? He's the son of John Landis. Okay. Writes a ridiculous amount. I think he's probably written over like 150, 200 screenplays. Um, but his voice is awesome. And I, I'm i a big fan of, of, of some of his top screenplays. He, he wrote a, a screenplay that I don't know if it'll ever get made after the controversy with him called Deep, which is about a... Uh, um, going down deep into the ocean and this crazy world that kind of unfolds uh, while we're, you know, stuck in this little submarine, um, which is incredible. And then Chronicle, which is, uh, you know, a little outside. That either. That's Dane Oh, uh, you got to see that. Yeah, that movie's great too. Um, so that's so Max Landis. Love his voice. You haven't seen Chronicle, Jay? No, I. You know, it's one I always oh, wanted you to should see. Watch it. But... Yeah, I feel like that's like right up your alley. Is Eternal Sunshine gonna make me cry? Like I'm, you just make you feel weird. (laughs) I think if you were in high school or younger, maybe. But I think as an adult, I'm curious what it'd be like to watch it for the first time. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, there's no new movies coming out, so yeah, so you might as well. That's true. But write Chronicle down, Shy, because that's yeah. I'm writing it in my notes here. Then Joe Carnahan. Uh, he did The Grey, he did Death Wish, which actually didn't oh. get produced, but Death Wish is a really good read. Um, and then Wes Anderson. I mean, his scripts I was gonna, are awesome too. And, that, and, that, and then I was going to, you know, the, I was going to say about, I was, 
I I'm not as critical about narration. I think as Becky. I can. You think it's very no, obvious it's, when it's really no, bad. But it can be but wait, used wait, well wait. in certain. One of my favorite narrations ever is Alec Baldwin in the Royal Tenenbaums. Yes, like that. That I, I think just, is. I, think I don't know if it's charming. his voice. His voice is wonderful. So I don't know if it's but his it, voice I, or I the agree. writing. It's, I love. Like, I that's that an example I where I, I do like it because the narrator, the narrator in that in that film is is like another character, and it's adding texture and dimension to the storytelling right it's framing it in a certain way so i like that like and i know this is tv but like ron howard on arrested development yes yeah that's like where it's adds to the or peter falk in the princess bride (laughs) not that that counts (laughs) ever since we had gabe and etta on uh i just peter falk is his now is he's he's on your mind any excuse to bring up peter falk yeah exactly i've been going deep on colombo those are guests that we had previously who are also screenwriters and they they well if you're i mean if you're big into snappy dialogue then aaron sorkin's probably right there here's the thing about snorkin so here's the thing about snorkin Snorkin. 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 i think so so dialogue is definitely something that sticks out to me so like when i think of screenplays without knowing anything about them the screenplays that mean a lot that, that like come to my mind are specifically ones from the 90s like pulp fiction and uh usual suspects like that crime dialogue or or uh mamet like i love so mamet is one spanish nice. prisoner yeah that's uh, a very specific red, red belt red belt's so a great rhythm one his movies you can tell they are all written by him but yeah. wag the dog i think did he write wag the dog also could someone check if he wrote wag the dog? i think he wrote wag the dog also um, um, um so but sorkin who has a similar like you're watching this and you know he wrote it i think it is it's it's a parody of itself yep he wrote wag the dog like yeah. if you go back and you watch sports night and then you go back and then you watch the west wing you realize they're the same show like but there's a okay. difference between his writing for television in which he's and creating, like you said, a parody film. of itself and something that he would write for film like The Social Network. The social network that, that's yeah. true. The Social Network and American but, President are also his. Are, 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 are but I, And I want to put Sorkin and Amy Sherman Palladino kind of in that same category of the way that they write has a certain rhythm to it. They have almost like their own iambic pentameter, the way that that the dialogue is written and the way that it's meant to be performed. And I think that whether or not you like it, you have to appreciate the craft behind it because the way that people speak in real life is actually quite boring and (laughs) very bloated and, and not a lot of, not not coherent. And you don't actually really want to hear that when you sit down to watch a show or a film. And when somebody creates almost like their own language or you think about Deadwood, the way that, that Milch writes, the way that David Riltz, that David Milch writes in Deadwood, he's creating like this like sub language or whatever it is. Um, And, and, um, even George Lucas has it, right? Like George Lucas has all of his ticks that are in all the Star Wars movies. Now, whether Matt, or not Mamet has is that it... too. Like we talk about hearing a voice, but very <laughs> Dave's, specifically. He's like nodding. He's like, no. he, he doesn't like Lucas. How dare you? No. Well, I wouldn't put <laughs> Lucas in, but I'm trying to say specifically about Sorkin is that, and I was thinking about this earlier, contrasting um, a, a film that Aaron Sorkin would have written with something that Judd Apatow has written. And while I like, you know, the Apatow comedies, I actually cringe a lot of the times at these like two plus hour films with scenes that are mapped out 
but are being completely improvised and the improvisation can work well in some scenarios, especially with some comedic, you know, ripping. And then in other scenes, it just, I, as like a film watcher, I often feel like there's these scenes that just don't go anywhere because it's, the actors aren't being told what the words on the page are. And that's a very mammoth thing is to say like, these are the words on the page, read the words on the page. That's your job as an actor. And I really do appreciate how someone like Sorkin is putting the words on the page and the actor is then going to execute those in a very specific way. Um, and I, and I, although I, you know, I wouldn't say Sorkin's my favorite screenwriter, very drawn to that um, precision and craft that goes into it. I think another one that we should speak about, because Lily mentioned it, uh, or no, Becky mentioned it up top is Spike Lee. His, I mean, his scripts Do the right are also I in mean, his like... own languages, like like the, he's yes. built his own language as well. And I think he's he's pretty. Without me, again, I don't read scripts. I don't really think about them when I'm watching a movie. But I feel like I am when I'm absorbed in a Spike Lee film. It's not just a visual. It is like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in that same conversation. I'm just gonna name one more, which is like in my like group of like who um, I, I think create like amazing creative worlds is Paul Thomas Anderson. Like to me, Boogie Nights is one of the like, like beginning to end arcs, but like one of the best like crafted Ma- stories. Mag- I, Magnolia I, is also a Paul Thomas Anderson. Magnolia. Yeah, everything that he's there done will be is blood. Like that. Yeah, yeah. There will be blood is so, amazing. So Rewritten. So Dave, you're a Star Wars um, fan. I mentioned George Lucas. You nodded your head and just <laughs> It's, you know, you're talking about, you know, oodles of material has now been created with the, I have a bad feeling about this and, uh, and a lot of the other codes in the, in the Star Wars world. What, what's your take though on the, on the Star Wars world script writing and, and which of the movies has the best and which has the worst script? So it's, it's hard. Hold on. Sorry. There's a dog that just came in. Oh, you see the we love a good we love a good dog situation. Yeah, we all own dogs now, so yeah. We, a, a dog situation is good. A puppy scratching at your leg and trying to nip no. you is not so good. No. Um. Oh, so what, I, I mean, was the, saying the Star, Star, Star Wars. Tell us about screenwriting so in Star Wars. Encompassing and so big at this point, it's hard to it's hard to really break that down. I, I know you wanted to talk about bad scripts or good what makes a good script bad <laughs> later but so we were kind of delving into that right now have if you've read the original star wars script it is complete trash and the fact that it basically spawned this you know world destroying world creating insanity that star wars has become you know a multi-billion dollar industry is phenomenal because that original script before it got edited up and then became the first film uh, was such garbage. You should never even open it. Like uh, <laughs> I, I've never read a like this. It's really bad script. Um, that said, uh, I mean, it's so hard to talk about what makes a good script and a bad script in regards to star Wars, because there's so many different hands that are in that kitchen and so many different cooks, you know, you've got a billion different producers and rewrites and, and then actors, and then you've got your special effects and all that. Like it's become such a bigger world that normally I would say that the script is the essence of everything, right? Before you can have any sort of a movie or a show, you need to have that script because that's the concept behind it, behind it all. And 
a lot of people argue all the time saying that script writers should get paid a lot more because they are the world's creators and they're the ones that if it wasn't for them, you would have nothing. But at this point, uh, an established world and canon like Star Wars, it's almost like you need to build the script around what has already been created. So it's not really fair to say one's better than the other. That said, um, the... I'm I'm pulling a blank on the on the name of the of the Mark, film right now. Right. The the prequel to the first movie, the the Star Wars movie, there's just a war movie that wasn't in Star Wars. Rogue, oh, Rogue One? One. Rogue One. Phenomenal writing in that. I thought that the the idea of basically doing what I said of of making a a, a story about this you know that that takes place in star wars without really having the whole jedi concept in there and or dealing with major star wars characters was excellent writing in addition to that if you've seen the clone wars or you've seen rebels both of those animated series some of the best star wars writing is in those those series because you're allowed to really take apart the story and if you have you know, 80 hours worth of material or I would say 80 hours to actually like really build the story out. It's a lot, it's a lot easier to get into some really interesting stories than it is to say, all right, we need to do this huge movie and you have two hours and 15 minutes to do it. So, so in terms of Star Wars, also screenwriters, I don't think we can do it without mentioning Lawrence Kasdan who wrote Empire and also I'm reading wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, he also wrote Jedi and, mm-hmm. Force, and and he helped with Force Awakens, but Force Awakens was like, you know, uh, kind of a Frankenstein. They like brought him in later. But uh, that's another one that I feel like he was part of setting the pilot or the tone of that original. Oh, he also. Wrote- well, that's the main thing with those three movies was that, uh, you know, like you said, Lucas, you know, took a step back and let other amazing creatives do a lot of the work. You know, he had different directors in there. He had different writers in there. He let the actors do. I mean, one of the greatest scenes in the history of Star Wars is um, is when Han Solo is going to be frozen in carbonite, and Leia says, "I love you," and he says, "I know." That wasn't in the script, you know. It was, "I love you too," and they then and then you say, "Oh, you know that," and then uh, Harrison, uh, Harrison Ford, Ford says, "No, that's not what I would say at all. You guys are out of your minds." And then they were that- like, "All right, do it however you want to do it," and he did it <laughs> really, really well. So. And that's and that's yeah, I mean, that's that's right. That's where the, the lines between Hansel and Harrison Ford and writing are all blurred. So so okay, without criticizing your your colleagues, if you will, uh what's oh you know, you said Star Wars is a disaster script. Um, are there any ones that are good script that turned into a disaster of a movie? Like one where you've read the original, you or or where you read the original and then what you ended up getting, you were like, uh. And, and a lot of things go into making a movie. So a lot can make a movie go. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, it's possible to make a bad movie with a good script, but you really can't make a good movie with a bad script is how I would start. Um, good and point. obviously, you know, you had like everything changes, you know, I, I can I can write a script. The three of you guys can read it and you're like, this is great. But then you send it out and then you get executive notes and people have differing views. They have this person that they want to put in it that have their, they, you know, everyone wants to say, if if I'm a producer or direct director in it, I need to have some sense of changing this to make it mine so that I can, you know, do that. Plus, if you got a powerful actor in there, you know, if Harrison Ford comes in and Harrison Ford says, Well, I want to change this, Edward Norton is a good example of somebody who who uh, who likes to put his fingerprint on things and then it changes it, good or bad, but he still changes it. Um, 
Yeah, that guy's so, very difficult to work with. Yeah, well, I mean, Kevin Smith has a great story that I, if I were to tell it, I would butcher it. But the whole thing was that he was working with the producer and the producer was like, this is a great script, but I think it was Superman. He was working on Superman oh, scripts. And then they put the mechanical spider this. in there, right? Like, you guys have all heard that story before. So that's a perfect example. I don't know the there's story. A whole docu- there's a whole documentary the about this. It's no, called, well, what is this it is called? something that you should Google afterwards. Superman, Superman lives or the death. Of, hold on. Um, yeah. Superman. But it's Kevin Smith, Mechanical Spider Story. Look it up. It's like a, it's like a 15 minute uh, talk that he does. Um, okay. I think it was at like a Comic Con or something like that, right? Yeah, like um, he did stage. it in his like spoken word. But yeah, the death of Superman lives is a, is basically a whole documentary about this and is a must watch. It is really funny and strange. The the thing with the mechanical spider. I really want to really want to really want a spider, but we can't. And then the other guys come in and say, "But you can't call it a spider." So you have to give it a different name. <laughs> so um, the other thing that I will say is that directing is hard. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people go in there and say, oh, yeah, this is a great script. I can direct it. And if you're not that great of a director, you can butch a, a butcher a, a really great script very easily. So scripts that I've read that I thought were great that ended up being subpar movies, uh, Long Kiss Goodbye, Shane Black. Phenomenal script, excellent okay. screenwriter, not, not that great movie. a movie. Um, Smoking Aces, I've mentioned Joe Carnahan before, mm. excellent screenwriter. That script is amazing. I love that script. I hated that movie. <laughs> um, Jane Got a Gun, one of the one of the best scripts that I read the year that I read that, that not many people had read. It came out in the movies. No one saw it because it really was I mean, it was just a, an average movie, but awesome script when I read it the first time. And then another one that came to the top of my head, a Gone Girl. I mean, that the if you've read the book, the book is phenomenal. Yeah. And then you watch the translation of the book to script to movie. The movie's still good, but it's entirely different and it is nowhere near as good as the book. And I know that there's a lot of movies out there that people are like, well, if you read the book, the book's so much better. This one is like next level. You read that book and you're like, that's a phenomenal okay. book. And then you watch that movie and you're like, eh, it was okay. It was pretty good. All right. So, so you all are super smart and you mentioned some, some complicated writers in particular, you talked about, you talked about um, uh, what's his name? Kaufman, whose movies I really just don't understand. I've never connected with them. Like I saw Malkovich in the theater and I was just like, "Ah, what is this? I mean, the Malkovich Malkovich scene is cool. There are there are when we've I've heard people talk about writing a movie and they talk about the standard three acts and you gotta do certain things in order to resolve it to do like a, a very typical script. But then you have movies like Memento, being John Malkovich, movies that are uh, I don't know if you know I don't I don't know what other ones fit into this, but these movies that seem to bend all convention, like how do you do something like that? How do you completely break format? Uh, like like almost like you're doing like compositional jazz as opposed to your three act, you know, hero story. Uh, okay. So and that can be Dave. That can be Becky. It can be Lily. Any of you all. Yeah. I, do, I mean, I, do one of you guys want to start before I go on? My how own? do you? How do you? I mean, how does somebody write Memento? Like, how do they make yeah, that like work what, on what, the page? How, how do you go exactly? How do you say I'm going to just do something completely different? I have no idea. Screenwriting. That's my answer. Is I have no idea. Mento is Nolan. <laughs> I would also. love Another to know. I would love to know the way. answer. N- Nolan is amazing. Yeah. 
He has. Yeah. I mean, he has. Well, I was going to say Incep- Inception also breaks a lot of rules. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And well, maybe not the Prestige. The Prestige is a little more straightforward. But uh, you know what? What goes into those guys? Are they just genius? I, I would imagine say, multiple I drafts. These. I don't think these things are written. I. You know, like I, I shouldn't say. Amadeus with no collect corrections making Salieri crazy. There are no corrections. Oh, you guys, that you got to rewatch that movie. I'd say every every three to five years, give that movie a rewatch. That movie, a is movie is so brilliant. It's on the list of best. It's re- it is really. We watch that in our house every couple of years. I think Vlad watches it once a year. It's on his like list. It's it's amazing. The way I'm assuming anyway. a novel, like the great novels, you know, or great novels in general, are not written in one sitting. You know, no, I can't obviously speak for Christopher Nolan, but I would imagine that like there's an idea, right? And Davies probably speak better to this. You know, this idea that, and I assume like novelists go through something similar. You know, and then it's it's sort of teased out and played with, and you know, maybe there's like a certain structure that's relatively clear. But the way, like, I think you can compare it to architecture. You know, I, I'm not great at physics, and yet you see some structures that are built, and how, you know, you know Frank Lloyd Wright and a million other amazing architects like who create something that we would see as a functional space into something that seems impossible that it could actually be standing. And you know, we think of stories maybe more linearly. You know, there's first act, second act, third act, it's all done, everything's great, and these people are thinking about things, you know, like there's like no gravity does not apply and can imagine stories in ways that are not, you know, one plus one equals two. And that's like beautiful art, but I just don't think it's, I can't imagine it's something where they sit down and write it and that's done. I imagine it takes years and time and maybe opinions from other people. I I think we also mean on like a technical level. Like, what? have you actually, I'm curious, like, on a technical level, how do you make them? Like, do you start with like, the end? Like, do you write memento? Like, how does memento make sense on a page? Anyway, Dave, I'm very curious what, what you're... <laughs> About my response? Is. Okay. So, I, I, so uh, like Lily was saying, I mean, I think you need to master the defined rules before you're able to break them. Um, if you look at, like, uh, so Picasso, right? Uh, entirely different medium. Uh, everyone looks at him as, how the hell do you paint something like that? And if you if you look at his self-portraits, you can see a portrait that he did of himself when he was like 19. It looks like a portrait that you would draw of yourself. And then at 24, it changes a little. And at 40, it changes a lot. And then he's got one that he wrote in 90, uh, that he drew at 90 years old. And it looks totally abstract. It doesn't even look like a person. And that's the, you can see like the change of how his approach to art and his understanding of the world and his place in it. Um, I think that, is a good uh, example of, of how that would translate into art. And you can, you can sort of do that the same with film and storytelling. So, I mean, like you, so there's been avant-garde films that have, that have pushed the limit since the beginning of film. Um, everyone's trying to play with the medium themselves, but most of those films aren't shown in, you know, movie theaters across movie. the world or across mm-hmm. the country. So, you know, we're talking about playing with story structure. You still always have to take your story from point A to point B. It's simply a different order or taking it from different perspectives of putting yourself in a way that you wouldn't normally see in your set Hollywood structure. Um, So 
Right, like when Mulholland you write your Drive, story from the beginning, I feel like right. So when you write that, that story, you're still writing. When you first put the story together, you construct it in a normal way, where you're going from the from beginning to the end, and you flush out every single plot point and twist that allows you to see the story from all angles, and then you have to maneuver yourself around to see it from every single different angle. So most people would look at Memento and say, "Oh, this is just you wrote. He wrote the script, and then he just put it backwards." But that's really taking away the, that's just the real, you know, basic understanding of what Nolan put into the construction of that story about a man that doesn't, that isn't able to keep a memory, you know, then he really was able to put us into that man's shoes so that as we went through the movie, we weren't necessarily watching a man with no memory. We actually were him. You know, we, 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 we were yeah. the actual character not understanding what's going on. So every scene is frantic and it's terrifying. And not only just because we felt his emotions, because as we gained more knowledge that we knew that he was gaining, you know, that we knew that he was going through that same experience and, and, and piecing together the mystery at the same time that we were. Um, and really only a master storyteller that understands the craft and understands their story to that level is able to break the rules and give us a new experience. So, you know, you can go Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, which is the same thing, just not done in the exact same way or you know 400 blows by drew font back in the day which that's you know french new wave rejecting traditional cinema and creating godard and all that um but also like unconventional doesn't necessarily mean breaking the rules linearly you know there's many ways that you can that you can play with the screenplay to break the rules psycho you know they kill off the headline character halfway through the film everyone was expecting you know, the star of the show to, to, to live from beginning to end. And then all of a sudden, halfway through, boop, they kill her off. And that's one of the most or executive the decision starring Steven Seagal and uh, Kurt Russell. Boop. Steven Seagal gets sucked out of that airlock. Right. Or, <laughs> or, or Deep Blue Sea. Have you guys seen Deep Blue Sea? Oh, I love yeah. Deep Blue Sea. So Deep Blue Sea, so you ridiculous. Know, Hollywood horror monster movie, super intelligent sharks. Oh. And they kill off the, what we think is the main character like three times in the first 20 minutes. You're like, oh, OK. Samuel Jackson's the lead. It, and then all of a sudden he gets chopped in half. Spoiler alert. He gets maybe, eaten by a shark in maybe, the first 10 minutes. And you're like, what? Who the hell is the main character now? That's if crazy. he didn't have so many other iconic roles, that might be his. That movie requires a rewatch on a regular basis. I keep trying to get Allie to watch it with me. I, that movie's ridiculous, and I love it so much. Oh, I, that movie is so much fun. Um, or or another sharks. weird approach that you could say could even be experimental is uh, Shrek. I mean, Disney, at the, at the point of time that Shrek came out, Disney had built a brand that was accepted as this is the way that you tell stories to kids. Um, and we got yes, so used that to was nice a story huge with a happy deal. ending. Yeah. It was a so, huge I mean, deal. All of the adult jokes for parents, like that had not exactly. been done before. Yeah. Yeah, it's DreamWorks. That I broke enough yeah, yeah. That. It's DreamWorks, right? I think DreamWorks yeah, is exactly. underrated. By but the Disney, way. I think what Dave was saying is that Disney had established, they were wow. the ones this is how children's movies are made. And then DreamWorks come in and said, mm, not really. I have to <laughs> well, say, because, I... but think about when we were growing up with movies that we watched, right? We watched Legend and Willow and Goonies. And those were super intense movies that people now, if you showed to your kids, would be like, that's not for yeah. little kids. But right. I mean, that terrified me when I was a child. It was awesome. I mean, there was, there were scenes in there that blew my mind and I would have nightmares and then people would be like, that's not good. Kids shouldn't have nightmares, but it made us think in different ways. And then mm -hmm. there were, because the people were like, that's not good. They were, then Disney was able to creep in and say, this is the way that you tell stories for children. 
despite the fact that ironically every single one of those stories if you read the original grim fairy tale for it they're totally horrifying. they're horrifying yeah, right the kids get incredible. eaten by the witch or they eat the yeah. witch whatever it is like someone's eating a person at the end of every one of those stories <laughs> i i says you can do the same thing but be crude about it <laughs> the the um i mean i have to say dreamworks i love many of dreamworks's animated films so i love that you brought up shrek i like for example the how to train your dragon movies i think well that's a i guess probably a straight up hero story i i love 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 particularly the first one and i like the way they i like the way they do the adventure stuff i i also think that i am oft criticized on this podcast for showing my th- my kids things that are that are preserving the crap out of your kids for, that are that are too young for by today's standards but like when we were kids we were watching like exactly that will i mean you remember seeing willow in the screen in this big screen I... turn those people into pigs i mean yeah that scary stuff. nightmares for years mm-hmm. but now it's mm-hmm. so awesome well i mean right <laughs> I, I i hope that in this era of nostalgia and streaming and stuff we get some more willow because warwick davis first of all is awesome second of all Come on, like we have to suffer through Game of Thrones. Let's get some Mad Mardigan. Although I, I presume, I presume uh, Val Kilmer is not healthy enough to do. You'd have to go like a generation Probably. later. Yeah. Um, all right, Dave. We're now going to bring you to the signature game of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. It is called Buy Rent Meh. You can assign one of these values to each of the three things that I buy rent and meh as the like the official grading system of the podcast. And think okay. back to your days of, of walking through the snow and renting movies. You would, you know, if you really loved a movie in the eighties or nineties, you bought that VHS and that was reserved for like a very few number of movies. Now you buy more, which is good. You know, the iTunes and all makes it easier. You don't have to keep the VHS boxes or you'd buy the DVD. A lot of things you just rent. And then the third category is meh, which can mean a lot of different things it can mean meh i don't like it it can mean meh it just there's no meaning to me but it's good it, it, you get to decide be meh it's you know what it's already in my netflix subscription i guess i guess yeah. i could watch it you know like and, all and right. so we and so we use that to so like for you i'd say you know wow what do you rate jaws uh buy rent or meh you'd say buy right so in this case when we play the actual game you get three things and you must assign one of the things that we give you to a value of buy rent or man but you can't have two be assigned to the same thing so okay. we're going to do it so you create a hierarchy exactly now when we play this are it's we playing better. are we playing for the script like you're going to sit and own the script and read the script or for the movie as a whole you yeah, get to decide movie. your rules oh, of how you no <laughs> i feel like it should be for the script because we're doing it like this is not I'm going to sit sure. and watch the movie because I'm going to sit and read the script. Okay. All right. Then that's right. That will be our rules for today. So I went to the 101 best list of, from the writers guild of America West. And I grabbed a bunch of films so that these were ones that industry has decided for good scripts. Also, again, having never read a script. I, so of the millions of scripts that were written in the history of the world, you're taking the top 100 and we have to say meh to one of them. That's, well, yeah. that's yeah. what okay. makes buy rent or meh super fun. <laughs> that's what makes it so gripping. It's, it's All right. not, it's not, um, uh, it's not, it's not, I mean, sometimes we do like uh, other things, but no, we're, you're, this is going to be highbrow. Okay. So for drama. All right. This is our first category here. Do the, and I took, wildly different eras of movies just yeah. to make it super hard and subject really unfair do the right thing this Casa- i find this category is obvious casablanca 
and Chinatown, but we're talking about nothing about this is obvious. We're talking about movies here where like you don't even realize how much the scripts of all of these movies have like infiltrated language, right? Like I watched Casablanca for my first time in my 30s and I was like, oh, Oh, that's where that statement (laughs) comes from. Oh, that's where that saying comes from. It's like you don't realize it's one of the probably like one of the most quoted movies. I think it is one of the most quoted movies ever. Well, anyway, that's the problem about the top 100. Sorry to cut you off, but that's the problem yeah, with the top 100. It's like the idea of the Beatles. You listen, you, you have kids listen to the Beatles now, and they're like, "This is such garbage." But then you're like, you do realize that this is like the essence for all music that you're listening <laughs> to right now. So saying this is bad makes no sense. Right, right. Taylor Swift likes the Beatles. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so I'm putting these three in front of you for our drama category. By render may I can have one of my sisters go first if you like, unless you're ready to go, Dave. Well, well Lily said it was obvious. No, I'm, yeah, um, Dave, I, you it. go yeah, first. Please, Dave. Show off, Lily. It's so obvious. Tell us what. Okay, the so I think you is. have to buy Casablanca. I don't think there's a choice. I don't agree. Like, I don't agree. I, I. <laughs> oh, so then to you, to then you, it is obvious to you. <laughs> So do I think you have to buy Casablanca. I think that that movie in its like place in history and that script and I just yeah there's I isn't like I don't I don't have to go into more details about Casablanca. I think I'm gonna rent do the right thing. Equally brilliant. Like we're not discussing if these movies are not brilliant or not. Right. right. We're talking about right. these are all big time. And and icons. I think that while the movie is so important and amazing and and was shocking to me when I saw it as a kid and has stayed with me my whole like adult life that movie I always go back to it in my head um I, to me it is is comes in second place I think it it's not like perfect I don't find it like I can't say that that movie is a perfect movie um at all and even though it is obviously extremely important and then I'm going to mid Chinatown because ugh. It's so, it's so incesty. Like yeah. it's so incesty. I didn't like watching it. I'm sure I won't like reading it. It might be brilliant and it might be important. And I know like it's placed in like 70s film is is extremely important. However, no, thank you. Blech. Well, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do the right thing as my number one. And that's the the overwhelming timelessness of that movie. Like that's a movie that has only grown in how much I've loved it as, as time loved it. I mean, yeah, loved it. Isn't that it makes such a powerful impact on me. Then I'm going to go Casablanca for the, for the historical nature and then Chinatown. It's cool, but like, I just, yeah, it's, it's just not as in, 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 impactful to me. What about you, Dave? Uh, all right. Uh, so this is hard because Chinatown is considered by a lot of people the greatest yes. screenplay ever. And and perfect. Like, like a yeah. perfect screenplay. Uh, Not like about that's, to this that's, gang. Some, that's, a, that's a big screenplay to throw out We don't come to peer pressure on this podcast. Okay? No, we yeah. don't. So, so I'm going to go Casablanca by. Um, and it's because, you know, it it's the perfect example of it's short, right? Like it yeah. blows your mind from start to finish. And like, you can read that in the bathroom. Like it's fast. It's a fast <laughs> That's read. That's true. That's a good, and I feel so like you don't see the end coming in that movie. No, no, no. It's 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 like, there's not a missed beat. You watch that movie from start to finish and or, or read that script and every page is like, bam, 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 bam. Brilliant. Number one. Um, then you get in the, in the, Number two, I'll do Chinatown because that script is phenomenal. I don't like the movie. 
<laughs> the acting is amazing. The story is incredible. I, I don't, I never enjoyed watching that movie. I've tried to watch it many, many, many times. And I just, right. I, it, it's one of those that never makes the turn for me. Um, and if somebody tells me that that's one of their favorite movies, I will sort of judge them for the rest of their lives <laughs> because that's not a movie that should be in your top five, no matter how good it is. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. And then my met is do the right thing. Not because it isn't a great script, because it is, but because I believe that the reason it's such a great movie is because of the directing and the acting and the style that was put into it. And you read the script and you can't, you can't see how amazing the movie is on screen. And if, if, if he hadn't written it, if, or should I say, if he wrote that script and anyone else directed it, it wouldn't be that great a movie. But he, it was more like he was, he knew what he wanted to put on the screen and then wrote a script so that he could put it on that's the a, screen. That's a good, but he didn't earlier, need the script. It's, it's he could have gone out there and just made that movie and it would have been exactly the same. And it's interesting because that's early in his career and Becky was referencing Black Klansman, which is much later. And, and perhaps also as he's grown as an artist, maybe there's a, I don't know enough about his, his evolution, but maybe that shows you the difference between young renegade filmmaker and you know, full-fledged. But also, so Black Klansman was written by a oh, right. screenwriter here in East Brunswick. And then and then Spike Lee worked with right. him to build it ah. to what it is now. So it's not 100%. It's not a Spike Lee joint from beginning to end. Good he job. worked with other other writers in there in order to to get it to the point that it, that it was. Whereas you can see, you know, raw Spike Lee in his 20s, do the right thing, having a thing to say and being like, yo, this is my heart on the page. But really, it's, like in, this is a film uh, that I need to make. And now I'm going to write the script so that I can get it. I feel like mm, that's, that's really, that's that really movie, fascinating. You can really. All right, all right let's do crime. Let's do crime in a lightning round here because like, we know these movies so well. Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction, Usual Suspects. I tried Again, to keep I find this easy. closer in time. I find this easy. <laughs> I buy Pulp Fiction, I write right. usual suspects, and I Done. mean Goodfellas. Done. Done. Finished. Easy. Really? Okay. Yeah. I would agree quick, with quick, that too. Yeah. Quick lightning explanation. I find Pulp Fiction to be the most like complex script and dynamic. It's the most interesting because you're following so many different threads. And it's and rereadability. So I, I, you can and, yeah, rereadability. Yeah. And I feel like because of that, you could go back into each of these individual scenes and like find more and more and more. Um, it's, you know, uh, so that that's that's it um yeah. usual suspects is great but once you get the ending that like that big surprise at the yeah, end you don't need to i'm like it. i mean yeah like I, it's good but that's kind of like where okay lightning round lily all right lightning but, round. but goodfellas yeah. is the best movie of the three it's oh, an interesting right. point oh. i i it's 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 definitely iconic i mean they're all iconic yeah i don't know pulp fiction goodfellas I mean, yeah. I mean, can you watch Usual Suspects more than five times? No, Pulp, no, Pulp I'm, I'm just oh, saying. That's like, right. Pulp Fiction right. and Goodfellas, I've no, seen I'm saying like, 30 I'm times saying good, each. Yeah, right. I'm saying like Goodfellas right. and Pulp Fiction to me, I could probably rewatch a similar amount of times, maybe Pulp Fiction more. All right. And now comedy, um, comedy was my hardest like the one to find because in the top 100 scripts there weren't as many comedies as I expected. And to me, comedy writing is hard work. 
like to to write it and have it be hilarious and know it's gonna be funny i feel like this one's also very obvious groundhog day dr strange love and annie hall like this was the there was like a bunch of woody allens i didn't want to pick any of them but i I, annie hall won an oscar so i put annie hall in there oh annie hall is amazing so who wants to go first i feel i know my answers but who wants to go first? but dave go first i went first last time dave you go first uh groundhog by annie hall <laughs> whatever the middle one is dr strangelove yeah. meh but that's because i'm a weirdo and i don't like dr strangelove i'm the only person in the world that doesn't <laughs> i recently oh just saw i know it. i know i, oh I recently i recently just saw it for my first time and it's like one of now one of my favorite movies we ever. have certain oh, yeah, yeah. watches that happen in this household and i would say like amadeus and dr strangelove are two of our like yearly or every other year rewatches. Um so Doctor Strange Love is my bye bye bye. A close second after that is and I think Doctor Strange Love because it's all about like how you read it. It's the way that the I guess it's like it it can be taken seriously and that's what's so insane about this it it almost feels like like it's not you know like it's uh, anyways it, it, so yeah, I, I'm not going to go on. Sorry. So, <laughs> doc, like, that's what Dr. Strange Love is like. It could, it could not be a comedy. That script could just as easily not be a comedy, um, which is what's so, so bananas So if Dr. Strange Love was it. a man, you would marry Dr. Strange Love. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, she may I have. I would. <laughs> um, and then Rent is Groundhog's Day um, because I That script think, is amazing, again, by the way. Because that, yeah, and I mean, there have so many be, movies have copied that. There has to be so much in the details of that and that repetition and the build in that. It's got to be wild while you're reading it. And and I and I feel like meh Annie Hall, because maybe while the dialogue is interesting, um, a lot of that works in the performance, you know? Oh, yeah, that's all acting. More, yeah, that to me is more performance than it is script. Um, yeah. yeah, so those are, those are my... But so controversial, Dave. Look at us going at I it. Love over- it. Oh, all I right, know. let's let's get into our shoutouts and recs section of the show. This is when you give your shoutouts to the things that you are are digging or people that you want to shout out to, and your recommendations either for or against things. Let's start off with Lily. Lily, what have you been watching? Um, Pretend it's a city on Netflix. Oh, we started the, that last night. It's it's a delight. Um, I'm having a lot of fun watching night, it. Yeah. It's Martin Scorsese um, interview or, or, or made like sort of like a docu-series about Fran Lebowitz and her like uh, some is, is like actual interviews from now and then like past footage and it's just um, it's just fantastic and I think Dave being like adjacent to New York and having so much like of New York City probably in your life growing up would appreciate it. I got to watch uh, an episode with my dad who grew up in New York and that was a lot of fun, um, especially in the same era. I think they're probably about the same age. So that that is, I highly recommend that. And she looks like and she then, could be related to dad. She does actually. Um, and then like a very eclectic bunch of stuff here. I'll go quick. Bridgerton, um, which is all the rage. Uh, the Undoing. I want to um, see that. Which was good. Like, it's not the best script if we're talking about scripts here, but it's it was a good, you know, whodunit kind of thriller. Definitely more about the acting than the script. Powerhouse actors, the script is all right, but I would say it's worth it. 
um, watching the flight attendant, which Becky already has seen. And that's, that's fun. Uh, a bit different. Um, Lovecraft. I don't understand like what I'm watching and so the, good. The, so good. And that each episode is a genre is so fun. And uh, yet it's like, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything that's so much fun and yet so serious at the same time. <laughs> Like yeah. really like such heavy uh, topics to wade through while you're watching it. Um, but and also some pretty good horror so, for your family, which is needed. Yeah. Like, there is some which I, serious I can't body watch anything. Yeah. If I want like my husband to sit down and watch it, there's got to be definitely some terror happening. So but his mom still everybody's winning. His She's mom's... watching it, but like this, like full on. <laughs> like, behind and she keeps threatening to either it. throw up or leave. I'm so nauseous. I'm so nauseous. I'm gonna leave. But then she like is like, what happened in the rest of the episode? Um, and then that I watched the with uh, super intelligence. The oh, was that uh, a well, time? I try. I tried it's watching not, it. I tried. With, but Melissa McCarthy and I just, her husband. I, I want I, their stuff to be I, really good. Though. I want their stuff to be really good. And it's I want to see an M, an HBO Max thing or an Amazon thing. One of those streaming services movies no it's it's good i mean it's cute whatever um and you can have it on the background i guess while you're doing something and then the leftover show that oh the best leftovers ever has is like rage in my house my kids my kids so, so right after this the next activity in my house is my daughters who prepared multiple in-house versions of nailed it for us have been preparing all week to have us do their own version of the best leftovers ever and my little daughter and josh's daughter taped recorded video reviews of the episodes of the show and i dm them to the host to the jackie tone who you know we're big fans of and she actually responded and thought they were very cute so i thought that was absolutely that that show is like taking over our house it's a big deal and i feel like i'm learning a lot there's always tips on how to do things i know i'm so excited how to reheat them over i have these leftover potatoes and i'm dying to get them in a waffle iron that is like (laughs) my plan for later today i made extra potatoes just so I could try and put them in a that waffle was, iron. That was lighter. a tip from the first episode. Yeah, I, I'm really I, excited. I, that, I love that show. It is definitely. Um, the best. I'm also watching Best Leftovers Ever and Pretend It's a City. Those have been the the two for, for me this week. All right, over to you, Dave. Uh, so I got a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, MD1 is my 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 wife is a. Uh, one of the founding members of a nonprofit, they bring uh, uh, emergency room physicians to the scene of accidents. Uh, you know, they've got they've got buses that can travel around, and if there's an entrapment or a hostage situation or a terrorist attack, God forbid, anywhere they're able to get uh, actual physicians instead of just uh, EMT workers to the scene of, of of traumatic accidents to save lives, and uh, that's a nonprofit. Uh, that I just want to put out there. Um, what else? Uh, Do Re Mi's My Brother Show. It should be coming out on Amazon soon. He actually created it with Jackie Tone. You guys were talking about earlier. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so that's a show for. Yeah, so it's an animated uh, show that'll be on Amazon for little little kids, teaching them about music and stuff. Um, I think May ish time. I don't know. Things get moved around because of COVID. It was supposed to already be out, but everything's kind of got shuffled around. Um, false expectations blog. Um, 
our friend Brad Amron's little sister, Dina, has her own uh, uh, podcast uh, called False Expectations, which is really interesting and exciting. If you guys have the time, you should check it out. Um, in addition to that, uh, a show that you all should watch if you haven't seen it called Attack on Titan. Totally crazy. The, the animated one? Is there, uh, is there yeah. a real pe people version of it? Because I watched There's the, also a real the animated there's one also and it a real terrified people. me. <laughs> the yeah, animated yeah. one so it's, terrified me. It's, it's really good. The animated one is what I'm recommending. Uh, I think there's four seasons at this point. Um, what else? Uh, it, uh, being that we're in this, everyone being quarantined and doing a lot of stuff through Zoom um, uh, and meetings that are supposed to be fun are now doing these really bizarre Zoom games. One of the stuff that I would recommend for that is called Jackbox Games. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're pretty phenomenal if you haven't seen them already. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, good creative stuff. Drawful is a big one in our house. Yeah, Be Becky's good. husband introduced us to Jackbox. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah, Jackbox is great. Um, and then lastly, MF Doom. Uh, rest in peace, MF Doom. But if you guys haven't listened to him, dude is a brilliant genius. He's your favorite rap dude's favorite rap guy. Um, he's the equivalent of Fishbone is the, your favorite band's favorite band. MF uh, Doom okay. is your your favorite artist okay. favorite artist so totally check out mf doom dude is a complete genius his words are unreal and uh and, and that, that that's a good wormhole to go down um other than that i'm good that's awesome okay well mine cool. are i just we watched save yourselves on hulu last night with Sumita Mani from Glow, keeping the Glow theme alive. And it was like hipsters versus the apocalypse kind of thing. And it was good, but it was a reminder of how great Danny and Divine Meet the, uh, Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse was and how, how, how awesome that movie was. And how like, why isn't that one on the front screen of Hulu or Amazon being promoted all the time? So all respect to this movie last night. It was cute, but I've seen better in this genre. And then I want to just a, a shout out, a thank you, whatever it is. You all know, or Lily and Becky know, I love Dana DiLorenzo. She's an actor that was on Ash versus Evil Dead and, as the character of Kelly Maxwell. And I have actually already signed up to do like a virtual meet and greet next weekend. But yesterday on Cameo, Out of the Blue, she like offered, there's this new feature where you can just like live chat, like like just go like live one-on-one -on -one for a few minutes with someone. So I did it and she met the girls and was super nice to everybody. And she 100% recognized my handle and the animations that I'd done. And then my <laughs> older daughter scooped us and she goes, you know, I have my own podcast Friday Night Movie <laughs> Junior, and Dana said to her, I would love to be, may I please be on your podcast? And I was like, you scooped me on one of my top five dream guests. And she's, I said, when you get her on your show, can you, um, can you uh, maybe put in a word for a regular Friday Night Movie? Bone. And she, and she says, and she says, I'll think about it. <laughs> so good for her. Proud of my daughter for going right to it. But Dana was amazing and she's so talented and funny. Also, Perpetual speaking Grace. of Dana, I would recommend for Dave Perpetual, Perpetual Grace. Grace Limited. You should watch that show. Yeah. I think you did. It's it. a great, like, it's Americana in like a Coen, Noir, Brothers, Coen Brothers thing. Yeah, but I think you'd, I uh, think you'd find it cool. All right. Well, thank you everybody all for right. being here. Um, uh, you can follow, I'm going to do all the handles for Becky and Lily right now quickly. You can follow Becky 
at Paper BK Princess on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Lily at Chi Chi. Oh, no, 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 Becky's. That's just on Twitter. Instagram, you have to know Becky to follow her. Lily, Twitter, <laughs> Chi Chi K Gomez, C H I C H I, the letter K Gomez, a combination of her childhood nickname and her current last name, sort of. Uh, sort of. On Twitter. Dave, do you want people to follow you? No, I don't do social media. All right, Dave's mysterious. It'll stay mysterious. See, mysterious, <laughs> mysterious, mysterious. mysterious. You can follow me at Pancake for Table. That's Pancake and the number for Table. You can follow Friday Night Movie at Friday Night Movie on Twitter and Instagram. Please, as as evidenced by the horrific things that happened this week, check out organizations like the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and the Equal Justice Initiative that are fighting for people's rights as citizens and um, for justice and like no better time if you're not sure what to do go on those websites check them out and donate to them if you can um, or if you if you see fit um, and uh, with that the theme song will kick in in post-production by what does it eat and uh, thank you Dave for being here and thank you Becky and Lil love you guys bye thank you for having me this was awesome I have to run bye bye